Hi guys, Blaine Hooper here. Uh, as you all know, I am the planting resident at the bridge and I am so excited, my wife and I are so excited uh, to be a part of this movement of house churches, uh, this incredible family uh, that, that is the bridge. And so Ann and I are planning, as you all know, Christ Our Refuge Church in Sharpstown in Southwest Houston to reach uh, for Jesus first generation immigrants and refugees and really to welcome all people that are far from God into his family, which is what our passage is about today, actually, by sharing Christ's love. This month, we are starting off, I'm kicking off the beginning of a series for Advent. And Advent is the, is the celebration and the anticipation of the coming of, of God's one and only or uniquely born Son, Jesus. And to mark this beautiful season, Moving towards the culmination, what we would call epiphany or the appearance of, of Jesus, we're doing four messages or meditations on the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope of Jesus. And we want everyone to know that Jesus is the needed, promised, longed for, and delivered hope of all peoples. And because of that, we have a peace and purpose and following him. And so we invite all of you, whether you know Jesus or just started knowing him or have known him for a long time, to lean into uh, this, this promised hope in Jesus. And so there's never, I think, been a better time to meditate on the hope of Jesus than right now. With that said, let's pray before we get into our study. Father, thank you for a wonderful day, uh, for a beautiful week for times of, of family and celebration and um, renewal. God, I pray that you would be with everyone this week, that you would calm um, our nerves if we're anxious about all the people that we spent with over Thanksgiving, God. I pray that you would help us resolve to be uh, self-controlled if we thought we ate too much. But God, most of all, help us to lean into uh, hope in you above all things and to stay engaged and undistracted from, from living a Jesus-centered lifestyle. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all, today we're going to talk about hope needed and wanted. Hope needed and wanted in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Now, in light of our passage, I can't help but think about, talk about remembering. Remembering. Because and, and in light of, of what uh, God has carried us through, I, I don't know if you all knew this, but this year, this season for the Hoopers has been a season of remembrance, especially of a troubled time uh, 10 years ago in a country far away from here. And, and that time culminated in the loss of some dear friends, and one in particular, a true brother, my friend Shannon. And he was one of the most compassionate selfless, honest, giving man I've ever known. And he was taken in what seemed to be the prime of his life. And in fact, he gave his life uh, to save others. And last Thursday, on November the 12th, it, it marked exactly 10 years uh, since he died. And, and he's left behind this legacy, but also people, a wife and two beautiful daughters that at the time were very small. And Myself, I, that, I also remember that I, I was injured during that time, and so I had a long stay in the hospital to think about what happened and to lie in anguish and, and guilt somewhat, and, and eventually a settled 
depression and to wonder what kind of world that we live in. And there was a time of wrestling with God and, and of wondering what good could come of tragedy. And I remember thinking more than anything else, is this ever going to stop hurting? And I think if you could describe me and, and some of Shannon's friends and other friends, and especially uh, his, his wife as well, I would think that you would call us almost hopeless, almost hopeless. And for me, except for one ray of light and hope, it seemed so small, but there was light, hopeless. Ephesians 2, 11 and following, Paul is talking to a church in Ephesus about this very real thing, hopelessness and something else, hope. And, and he's writing the context of a letter to this church in modern-day Turkey that is under siege and under, under attack by forces of spiritual darkness and living in a, in a, in a town where worship of demons was common and, and there was so much pushback against the church itself and so unpopular to be part of a church. And, and Paul writes to a church that is, in, that is in danger of losing hope, of sliding back into a way of darkness, a way of paganism and evil, And in light of that, Paul calls the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2 to remember a few things. And he calls us to remember a few things too. First, he calls us to remember that we were far away. Remember that we were far away. Let's start reading. Look at Ephesians 2.11. And I'm reading the ESV translation. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Now, that, that, that verse sounds a little weird, like circumcision, Gentiles, what's that? Just to unpackage that, Gentiles in the Bible are just people who are not Jewish. Um, so Paul's reminding Ephesians that they were not naturally in the in-with-God camp. They were not naturally on Team Jesus. In fact, they were called uncircumcised, which is sort of weird for us. What's Paul doing with that? Well, circumcision, if you all remember, was... God's way of telling Abraham and the people of God since Abraham that that God is saying, you are my set-apart people by this sign of circumcision, my chosen and beloved people. And so it was a physical mark of a spiritual reality. And that, that reality was that the blessing of God was upon Israel as his chosen people. And the Ephesians, though, were Gentiles. They didn't have that blessing. In fact, to be called uncircumcised by the religious Jews of the day was a curse word. I mean, to be uncircumcised was to be dirty, uh, shameful, unclean, ignorant, impure, immoral, godless. So far from God, in fact, that religious Jews wouldn't even hang out with Gentiles if they could help it. So to be an uncircumcised Gentile was a blanket term not just a physical term, for people far from God. And so the Ephesians and us, as predominantly Gentiles in the world, in the church, to be an uncircumcised person uh, spiritually is to be an orphan, is to be far from God. And Paul wants us to remember that we were far away from the family of God. We were far away from the family of God. And, And he unpackages this a little bit in verse 12. Let's keep reading. He says, remember that you were one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. And Paul's really piling it on. He's saying, Ephesians, listen up. You didn't know Christ, even the anointed king who would rescue you from the grip of death and sin. He actually came first to Israel. You were just sitting in your pain. You weren't in the in club, as we just talked about. And you didn't even belong in the promised land like Israel did. It's not yours by birth. And you're also strangers to the covenants of promise. The covenants were special promises that were contractual, where God promised to bless Abraham and his children forever, to bless them, to love them no matter what, and to always bring them back, even when they wandered, no matter how far they they kind of went off the reservation. And so Paul summarizes, I mean, brutally, Ephesians, you had no hope. You were without God in the world. And the relationship with God, as we have talked a lot about this year, is a source of all life, all blessing, all peace, all security, all people forever. I don't know if y'all ever played sports as a kid or had the unique phenomenon, uh, maybe it's just an American thing, of picking kids for a sports team. Well, if you played sports as a kid, sometimes you got picked last, right? And a couple times when I was like pudgy and before I really grew to a tall, you know, uh, just pure athlete like I am now, <laughs> just kidding. Um, before I got my growth spurt, I, I, you know, I got picked last a few times. Paul is telling the Ephesians, and us too, because we're Gentiles, at least I am, you didn't just get picked last. Previously, in God's kind of economy, you didn't get picked at all. You were so bad at the game, you didn't get picked at all. Just go home. And so Paul says, remember that you and us, that we were far away from God's beloved people, And we are far away from God's love itself, far away from God's beloved people, and far away from God's love itself. We were hopelessly separated from God. Ephesians 2 uh, says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We weren't part of his loving and beloved family. Hope was needed and wanted. And that's, that's, that's a tough tension. But that isn't the end of the story. That's not the only thing that we're supposed to remember. Now, um, a little a little farther down, uh, after Shannon died, um, one thing that was consistently most just heart-wrenching and agonizing for me and most troubling was that, honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know where he was. Um, I didn't know if he knew Jesus. I didn't know if I'd ever, like in eternity, see my friend again. A couple years later, uh, after, you know, this was 2012, we, we went to visit his family. Um, and Shannon's father-in-law was there, and I was surprised to find that he was a deacon in a Baptist church. And so I asked him about Shannon's faith and some of his spiritual conversations with Shannon. And this man told me, he said, look, Blaine, I know where Shannon's at. Before he left on deployment with y'all, I shared the gospel with him. And he accepted Jesus as Savior. And y'all, I, I cried tears of joy. God had answered my prayers even before I cried out to him. You see, there was, there was more to the story that I even knew. There was a person working in the darkness to bring light, to bring hope. And that was Jesus. And last week, It gets even better. I had the honor of standing by Shannon's grave to remember to mark 10 years since his passing. 
It's been a long time. And a number of the guys were there with us, and it was hard. But y'all, something had changed. It was no longer hopeless gathering. In fact, it was filled with joy and quiet remembrances and, and old jokes and practical jokes. And, and Shannon's wife was, uh, was still sad. There was still sting, but she had this outflowing of joy because even she too has come to know Jesus through this experience. And so, and so most of the men that I, that I was looking around, around the grave that we serve with, and now they're leading their families to Jesus. And I found that God used this catastrophic separation. And yes, even the sinful wickedness that, that happened and the evil that, that was in it to bring about good and specifically to bring a unified family for himself um, that is galvanized by hope. And that is what Paul tells us to remember in verse 13. Look what he says. Look at this. This is such a huge uh, contrast. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Y'all notice the shift there? The shift is everything. The shift is eternity from one side to the other. He says, you were, you were, you were this. But you are now. There is a world of difference between verses 11 and 12 and 13, right? (laughs) Between what was and what is. We were hopeless. We were dead in our sins and pursuing the sinful desires of this world, not God's will. The people whom wrath and judgment and separation was upon, whom God owes nothing for us except judgment, except punishment. But now we have been loved into relationship with God by the blood of Jesus. We have been set apart. We have been adopted into God's family. We have been sealed with better promises, better covenants. The beauty, the glory, the grace of Jesus is astounding. To turn any evil and wicked thing to good, especially by a a gruesome and bloody death such as Christ. Guys, I, I think our meditation, our application is this, to remember this week, it's to remember and not to forget what Jesus, uh, where Jesus has brought you. To remember and not to forget where Jesus has brought you. This is a season, in fact, where we are heavily tempted, right, to forget, to dull ourselves with frantic activity, to, to hope in things and people other than Jesus, to hope in political systems and 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 new administrations, to hope in getting new and more stuff, more toys, to hope in even a set of events or parties or renewed associations with friends. And y'all, I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy those things or receive those things with a special gratitude. We should. But still, more than anything else, um, we should look forward to celebrating Jesus Christ, um, the Son of God, come in the flesh. We should remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the promised offspring of David, the curse breaker, the sin breaker, the hope of the world. Let's pray. God our Father, we are in awe of your great grace and mercy with which you loved us. You have pursued us um, for your glory and for our good to the end. We do not want you God, and initially we did not even choose you, but you chose us. 
Father, I pray that we would live in the light of your beauty and grace and mercy. And I pray that the Spirit would help us, help us to remember and not to forget all of your blessings and to remember the heart of, of, of a God who, who sacrifices. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.